Act Four of She Stoops to Conquer. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. She Stoops to Conquer by Oliver Goldsmith. Act the Fourth. Enter Hastings and Miss Neville. You surprise me. Sir Charles Marlowe expected here this night. Where have you had your information? You may depend upon it. I saw his letter to Mr. Hardcastle, in which he tells him he intends to set off a few hours after his son. Then, my Constance, all must be completed before he arrives. He knows me, and should he find me here, would discover my name, and perhaps my designs, to the rest of the family. The jewels, I hope, are safe. Yes, yes, I have sent them to Marlowe, who keeps the keys of our baggage. In the meantime, I'll go to prepare matters for our elopement. I have had the squire's promise of a fresh pair of horses, and if I should not see him again, we'll write him further directions. Exit. Well, success will attend you. In the meantime, I'll go and amuse my aunts, with the old pretense of a violent passion for my cousin. Exit. Enter Marlowe, followed by a servant. I wonder what Hastings could mean by sending me so valuable a thing as a casket to keep for him, when he knows the only place I have is the seat of a post-coach at an indoor. Have you deposited the casket with the landlady, as I ordered you? Have you put it into her own hands? Yes, Your Honour. She said she'd keep it safe, did she? Yes, she said she'd keep it safe enough. She asked me how I came by it, and she said she had a great mind to make me give an account to myself. Exit Servant Ha, ha, ha! They're safe. However, what an unaccountable set of beings have we got amongst. This little barmaid, though, runs in my head most strangely, and drives out the absurdities of all the rest of the family. She is mine, she must be mine, or I am greatly mistaken. Enter Hastings. Bless me, I quite forgot to tell her that I intended to prepare at the bottom of the garden. Marlowe here, and in spirits, too. Give me joy, George. Crown me, shadow me with laurels. Well, George, after all, we modest fellows don't want for success among the women. Some women, you mean. But what success has your honor's modesty been crowned with now? that it grows so insolent upon us. Didn't you see the tempting, brisk, lovely little thing that runs about the house with a bunch of keys to its griddle? Well, and what then? She's mine, you rogue, you. Such fire, such motion, such eyes, such lips. But, egad, she would not let me kiss them, though. Are you so sure, so very sure of her? Why, man, she talked of showing me her work above stairs and I am to improve the pattern. But how can you, Charles, go about to rob a woman of her honour? Pasha, Pasha, we all know the honour of the barmaid of an inn. I don't intend to rob her. Take my word for it. There is nothing in this house I shan't honestly pay for. I believe the girl has virtue. And if she has, I should be the last man in the world that would attempt to corrupt it. You have taken care, I hope, of the casket I sent you to lock up. Is it in safety? Yes, yes, it's safe enough. I have taken care of it. But how could you think the seat of a post-coach at an indoor a place of safety? Huh? Numskull, I have taken better precautions for you than you did for yourself. I have... What? I have sent it to the landlady to keep it for you. To the landlady? The landlady. You did? I did. She is to be answerable for its forthcoming, you know? Yes, she'll bring it forth with a witness. Wasn't I right? I believe you will allow that I acted prudently upon this occasion. Aside. He must not see my uneasiness. 
you seem a little disconcerted though methinks sure nothing has happened no nothing never was in better spirits in all my life and so you left it with the landlady who no doubt very readily undertook the charge rather too readily for she not only kept the basket but through her great precaution was going to keep the messenger too ha 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 <laughs> they're safe however as a guinea in a miser's purse aside so now all hopes of fortune are at an end and we must set off without it to him well charles i'll leave you to your meditations upon the pretty barmaid and <laughs> may you be as successful for yourself as you have been for me exit thank ye george i ask no more ha 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 enter hardcastle i no longer know my own house it's turned all topsy-turvy his servants have got drunk already i'll bear it no longer and yet from my respect for his father i'll be calm to him mr marlowe your servant i'm your very humble servant bowing low sir your humble servant aside what's to be the wonder now i believe sir you must be sensible sir that no man alive ought to be more welcome than your father's son i hope you think so i do from my soul sir i don't want much entreaty i generally make my father's son welcome wherever he goes i believe you do from my soul sir but though i say nothing to your own conduct that of your servants is insufferable their manner of drinking is setting a very bad example in this house i assure you i protest my very good sir that is no fault of mine if they don't drink as they ought they are to blame i ordered them not to spare the cellar i did i assure you to the side scene here let one of my servants come up to him my positive directions were that as i do not drink myself they should make up for my deficiencies below then they had your orders for what they do i'm satisfied they had i assure you you shall hear from one of themselves enter servant drunk you jeremy come forward sirrah what were my orders were you not told to drink freely and call for what you thought fit for the good of the house aside i begin to lose my patience please your honour liberty and fleet street for ever though i am but a servant i am as good as another man i'll drink for no man before supper sir damn good liquor will sit upon a good supper but a good supper will not sit upon <coughs> on my conscience sir you see my old friend the fellow is as drunk as he can possibly be i don't know what you would have more unless you would have the poor devil soused in a beer barrel sounds he'll drive me distracted if i contain myself any longer mr marlowe sir i have submitted to your insolence for more than four hours and i see no likelihood of its coming to an end i'm now resolved to be master here sir and i desire that you and your drunken pack may leave my house directly leave your house sure you jest my good friend what when i am doing what i can to please you i tell you sir you don't please me so i desire you'll leave my house sure you cannot be serious 
at this time of night and such a night you only mean to banter me i tell you sir i'm serious and now that my passions are roused i say this house is mine sir this house is mine and i command you to leave it directly ha 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 a puddle in storm i shan't stir a step i assure you this is your house fellow it's my house this is my house mine while i choose to stay what right have you to bid me leave this house sir i never met with such impudence curse me never in my whole life before nor i confound me if ever i did to come to my house to call for what he likes to turn me out of my own chair to insult the family to order his servants to get drunk and then to tell me this house is mine sir by all that's impudent it makes me laugh ha 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 pray sir as you take the house what think you of taking the rest of the furniture there's a pair of silver candlesticks and there's a fire screen and here's a pair of brazen-nosed bellows perhaps you may take a fancy to them bring me your bell sir bring me your bell and let's make no more words about it there are a set of prints too what think you of the rake's progress for your own apartment bring me your bell i say and i will leave you and your infernal house directly then there's a mahogany table that you may see your own face in my bell i say i had forgot the great chair for your own particular slumbers after a hearty meal zounds bring me my bell i say and let's hear no more on it young man from your father's letter to me i was taught to expect a well-bred modest man as a visitor here but now i find him no better than a coxcomb and a bully but he will be down here presently and shall hear more of it exit how's this sure i have not mistaken the house everything looks like an inn the servants cry coming the attendance is awkward the barmaid too to attend us but she is here and will further inform me whither so fast child a word with you enter miss hardcastle let it be short then i'm in a hurry aside i believe he begins to find out his mistake but it's too soon quite to undeceive him pray child answer me one question what are you and what may your business in this house be a relation of the family sir what a poor relation yes sir a poor relation appointed to keep the keys and to see that the guests want nothing in my power to give them that is you act as the barmaid of this inn inn oh law what brought that in your head one of the best families in the country keeping in ha <laughs> ha old mr hardcastle's house and inn mr hardcastle's house is this mr hardcastle's house child ay sure whose else should it be so then all's out and i have been damnably imposed on oh confound by my stupid head i shall be laughed at over the whole town i shall be stuck up in the caricature in all the print shops the dalissimo macaroni to mistake this house of all others for an inn and my father's old friend for an innkeeper what a swaggering puppy must he take me for what a silly puppy do i find myself there again may I be hanged my dear but i mistook you for the barmaid dear me dear me 
I'm sure there's nothing in my behaviour to put me on a level with one of that stamp. Nothing, my dear, nothing. But I was in for a list of blunders, and could not help making you a subscriber. My stupidity saw everything the wrong way. I mistook your assiduity for assurance, and your simplicity for allurement, but it's over. This house I no more show my face in. I hope, sir, I've done nothing to disoblige you. I'm sure I should be sorry to affront any gentleman who has been so polite, and said so many civil things to me. I'm sure I should be sorry. Pretending to cry. If he left the family upon my account, I'm sure I should be sorry if people said anything amiss, since I have no fortune but my character. Aside. By heaven, she weeps. This is the first mark of tenderness I ever had from a modest woman, and it touches me. To her. Excuse me, my lovely girl. You are the only part of the family I leave with reluctance. But to be plain with you, the difference of our birth, fortune, and education make an honourable connection impossible, and I can never harbour a thought of seducing simplicity that trusted in my honour, of bringing ruin upon one whose only fault was being too lovely. Aside. Generous man, I now begin to admire him. To him. But I am sure my family is as good as Miss Ardcastle's, and though I'm poor, that's no great misfortune to a contented mind, and until this moment I never thought that it was bad to want fortune. And why now, my pretty simplicity? Because it puts me at a distance from one that, if I had a thousand pounds, I would give it all to. Aside. This simplicity bewitches me, so that if I stay, I am undone. I must make one bold effort and leave her. To her. Your partiality in my favour, my dear, touches me most sensibly, and were I to live for myself alone, I could easily fix my choice. But I owe it too much to the opinion of the world, too much to the authority of a father, so that I can scarcely speak it. It affects me. Farewell. Exit. I never knew half his merit till now. He shall not go, if I have power or art to detain him. I'll still preserve the character in which I stooped to conquer, but will undeceive my papa, who perhaps may laugh him out of his resolution. Exit. Enter Tony and Miss Neville. Aye, you may steal for yourselves the next time. I have done my duty. She has got the jewels again, that's a sure thing. But she believes it was all a mistake of the servants. But, my dear cousin, sure you won't forsake us in this distress if she in the least suspects that i'm going off i shall certainly be locked up or sent to my aunt's pedigrees which is ten times worse to be sure aunts of all kinds are damned bad things but what can i do i have got you a pair of horses that will fly like whistle jacket and i'm sure you can't say but i have courted you nicely before her face here she comes we must court a bit or two more for fear she would suspect us they retire and seem to fondle enter mrs hardcastle well i was greatly fluttered to be sure but my son tells me it was all a mistake of the servants i shan't be easy however till they are fairly married and then let her keep her own fortune but what do i see fondling together as i'm alive i never saw tony so sprightly before Ah, have I caught you, my pretty doves? What, billing, exchanging stolen glances and broken murmurs? 
As for murmurs, mother, we grumble a little now and then, to be sure. But there's no love lost between us. A mere sprinkling, Tony, upon the flame, only to make it burn brighter. Cousin Tony promises to give us more of his company at home. Indeed, he shan't be leaving us any more. It won't leave us, Cousin Tony, will it? Oh, it's a pretty creature. No, I'd sooner leave my horse in a pound than leave you when you smile upon one so. Your laugh makes you so becoming. Agreeable cousin. Who can help but admiring and the natural humour, that pleasant, broad, red, thoughtless... Patting his cheek. Ah, it's a bold face. Pretty innocence. I'm sure I always loved Cousin Con's hazel eyes, and her pretty long fingers, that she twists this way and that over the haspicoles like a parcel of bobbins. Ah, he would charm the bird from the tree. I was never so happy before. My boy takes after his father, poor Mr. Lumpkin, exactly. The jewels, my dear Con, shall be yours incontinently. You shall have them. Isn't he a sweet boy, my dear? You shall be married to-morrow, and will put off the rest of his education, like Dr. Drowsy's sermons, to a fitter opportunity. Enter Diggory. Where's the squire? Uh, I've got a letter for your worship. Give it to my mamma. She reads all my letters first. I had orders to deliver it into your own hands. Who does it come from? Your worship mun ask that of the letter itself. I could wish to know, though. Turning the letter and gazing on it. Aside. Undone! Undone! A letter to him from Hastings. I know the hand. If my aunt sees it, we are ruined for ever. I'll keep her employed a little if I can. To Mrs. Hardcastle. But I have not told you, madam, of my cousin's smart answer just now to Mr. Marlowe. We so laughed. You know, madam. This way a little, for he must not hear us. They confer. Still gazing. A damned cramped piece of penmanship as ever I saw in my life. I can read your print hand very well. But here are such handles and shanks and dashes that one can scarce tell the head from the tail. To Anthony Lumpkin, Esquire. That's very odd. I can read the outside of my letters where my own name is well enough. But when I come to open it, it's all buzz. That's hard, very hard. For the inside of the letter is always the cream of the correspondence. <laughs> very well, very well. And so my son was too hard for the philosopher. Yes, madam, and you must hear the rest, madam. A little more this way, or he may hear us. You'll hear how he puzzled him again. He seems strangely puzzled now himself, methinks. Still gazing. A damned up-and-down hand as if it was disguised in liquor. Reading. Dear sir. Aye, that's that. And then there's an M, and a T, and an S. But whether the next be an Izzard or an R, confound me. I cannot tell. What's that, my dear? Can I give you any assistance? Pray, aunt, let me read it. Nobody reads a cramped hand better than I. Twitching the letter from him. Do you know who it's from? Can't tell, except from Dick Ginger, the feeder. Aye, so it is. Pretending to read. Dear Squire, hoping you're in health, as I am at this present, 
the gentleman of the shake bad club has cut the gentleman of the goose green quite out of feather with the odds mm, odd battle um long fighting um here here it's about cocks and fighting it's of no consequence here put it up put it up thrusting the crumpled letter upon him but i tell you miss it's of all the consequence in the world i would not lose the rest of it for a guinea dear mother do you make it out of no consequence giving mrs hardcastle the letter how's this reads dear squire i'm now waiting for miss neville with a post-chaise and pair at the bottom of the garden but i find my horses yet unable to perform the journey i expect you'll assist us with a pair of fresh horses as you promised dispatch is necessary as the hag ay the hag your mother will otherwise suspect us yours hastings grant me patience i shall run distracted my rage chokes me i hope madam you'll suspend your resentment a few moments and not impute me to any impertinence or sinister design that belongs to another curtsying very low fine spoken madam you're most miraculously polite and engaging and quite the very pink of courtesy and circumspection madam and you you great ill-fashioned oaf with scarce sense enough to keep your mouth shut why you too joined against me but i'll defeat all your plots in a moment as for you madam since you have got a pair of fresh horses ready it would be cruel to disappoint them so if you please instead of running away with your spark prepare this very moment to run off with me your old aunt pedigree will keep you secure i'll warrant me you too sir may mount your horse and guard us upon the way here thomas roger diggory i'll show you that i wish you better than you do yourselves exit so now i'm completely ruined ay that's a sure thing what better could be expected from being connected to such a stupid fool and after all the nods and signs i made him by the laws miss it was your own cleverness and not my stupidity that did your business you were so nice and so busy with your shake bugs and goose greens that i thought you could never be making believe enter hastings so sir i find by my servant that you have shown my letter and betrayed us was this well done young gentleman here's another ask miss there who betrayed you ecod it was her doing not mine enter marlowe so i have been finely used here among you rendered contemptible driven into ill manners despised insulted laughed at here's another we shall have old bedlam broke loose presently and there sir is the gentleman whom we all owe every obligation what can i say to him a mere boy an idiot whose ignorance and age are a protection a poor contemptible booby that would but disgrace correction yet with cunning and malice enough to make himself merry with all our embarrassments an insensible cub replete with tricks and mischief bah damn me but i'll fight you both one after the other with baskets as for him he's below resentment but your conduct mr hastings requires an explanation you knew of my mistakes yet would not undeceive me tortured as i am with my own disappointments 
Is this a time for explanations? It is not friendly, Mr. Marlowe. But, sir... Mr. Marlowe, we never kept on your mistake till it was too late to undeceive you. Enter servant. My mistress desires you'll get ready immediately, madam. The horses are putting to. Your hat and things are in the next room. We are to go thirty miles before morning. Exit servant. Well, well, I'll come presently. To Hastings. Was it well done, sir, to assist in rendering me ridiculous? To hang me out for the scorn of all my acquaintance. Depend upon it, sir, I shall expect an explanation. Was it well done, sir, if you're upon that subject, to deliver what I entrusted to yourself to the care of another, sir? Mr. Hastings, Mr. Marlowe, why will you increase my distress with this groundless dispute? I implore you, I entreat you. Enter servant. Your cloak, madam. My mistress is impatient. Exit servant. I come. Pray be pacified. If I leave you thus, I shall die with apprehension. Enter servant. Your fan muffined gloves, madam. The horses are waiting. Oh, Mr. Marlowe, if you knew what a scene of constraint and ill-nature lies before me, I'm sure you would convert your resentments into pity. I am so distracted with the variety of passions that I don't know what to do. Forgive me, madam. George, forgive me. You know my hasty temper, and should not exasperate it. The torture of my situation is my only excuse. Well, my dear Hastings, if you have that esteem for me that I think, that I am sure you have, your constancy for three years will but increase the happiness of our future connection, if... Within. Miss Neville, Constance, why, Constance, I say? I'm coming. Well, Constancy, remember, Constancy is the word. Exit. My heart, how can I support this? To be so near happiness, and such happiness. To Tony. You see now, young gentleman, the effects of your folly. What might be amusement to you is here disappointment, and even distress. From a reverie. Hmm. Ecod, I have hit it. It's here. Your hands. Yours and yours, my poor sulky. My boots there. Ho. Oh. Meet me two hours hence at the bottom of the garden. And if you don't find Tony Lumpkin a more good-natured fellow than you thought for, I'll give you leave to take my best horse and bet Bouncer into the bargain. Come along. My boots. Ho. Oh. Exeunt. End of Act 4.